Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Should we restart the show? Messed up. Well, what is happening? I was, I was possessed last week, Joseph. That was possessed me coming out in the intro. Wow. That was that was it. That was the bit. <laughs> I mean, execution was was tough enough, but the, the content itself was not I don't know, man. It's not optimal, I feel. Joseph, I thought you were gonna have a shaved head. Yeah, it's fair. Why why aren't you doing this? Because our audience told me not to. It's like the, the hair is over. Don't listen to our audience. Our audience is dumb. We've established this. I, no, I don't normally listen to them, but they seem very passionate about this. So, I, you know, what do you want me to do? I feel like you've jumped the shark as the fiend Bray Wyatt, though, which seems bad. Really? Yeah. It feels like the road to WrestleMania. This doesn't end on your terms. You will come face to face with everything you have ever done. <laughs> I was going shaved with you, Joseph. It fell. It fell. I, was going, I was going to in solidarity. Right. I was shaved head with you. Good lord, man. Wow. There is no shame, Ted. I thought I established this on Tuesday. It was not going to happen, most likely. We were going to be bald together. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I don't want you want me to tell you. It's... Look, things have changed. Plans, plans changed. Okay, plans changed. That's all I'm telling you. It's a big week, though, Jeremy. We can't be wasting time on comedy and bits. <laughs> we haven't got time for this. We have big topics to tackle. You should know this. Come on. Do we? Yes, we do. We just, I thought we just did. We're, we're sports entertainment, buddy. There's a there's a new heavyweight champion. I have a victory lap to take. Let me switch my headphones. Hold on. 
I can't hear out of one of these headphones is busted. The extents we go to, folks. Incredible scenes. Incredible times here. Okay. What are we talking about? So here's the deal. I have victory lap to take about the new WWE champion. Okay. And moreover, there is apparently a pay-per-view this weekend, including exploding barbed wire. We are the official NBA slash pro wrestling podcast. And a top 10 all-time player had like an actual good wrestling match. <laughs> Surely this is the way we talk about wrestling. I feel like that's what should happen here. Why? Why start now? Well, frankly, sometimes I ask myself the same question, Jeremy. That's the stale fair. Um, should I just? I mean, you have to do plugs and stuff, but can, yeah. should I just start and put myself over? Or do you want to nah, do that? Nah, let me let me get plugs out of okay. the way, guys. Go to fightful.com, leave a super chat. Like JJ, get your question, comment, statement right on there. Hello to my favorite big stars. Hope the day is good for you both. My Paul White scoop was the Yete. Prefer O'Neill scoop. Shaq is the man. There you go. Thank you, JJ. He is indeed the man, isn't he? The Shaq. He's very good. I thought he was going to make a fool of himself. So did not I. make a fool of himself. No. Took it pretty seriously. Yeah. Didn't get any ring gear though, because he's a play wrestler. <laughs> Actually, no. That no. That makes him not a play wrestler, doesn't it? it aren't you yeah. only a play, play wrestler if you wear actual wrestling gear? Yeah, wrestling? yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a street guy. I think Shaq is a street guy, right? Apparently so. There you go. Just <laughs> he was dressed like one. So there you go. <laughs> Took a hell of a bump for that table bump. That was something, man. Like visually, that was their that was their gif moment, right? That was their clip moment. That was very good. I, I thought he was dead. That that was a hell of a sell. Or the man was legitimately dead. That match was like an actual triumph in a way that I never thought it could be. Because what they did was, it was the Jade showcase, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sean, I can now see the chat while I do this show, and I've already explained the art in my background, okay? So, no, you will not be put over on my podcast here. I am not the son of Comrade Thompson either. This is very scary when I look at the chat while I'm talking, but nonetheless. I thought you weren't going to do this. We don't ban you chat. You send super chats, and Joseph will read your comments. Get away. Anyway, Jade was the star of the match, and the, the closing shot, of course, was Shaq being, as you said, dead. Uh, with Jade looking like the star and the and the, you know the the real important thing, and that's that was a pretty big win. I thought, you know, Cody put together a logical few segments with Shaq where he could be the power guy. Took great bumps. It was a success. It was it was much better than I thought it would be. It was good. I yes. I definitely did not have high hopes, especially we know how Shaq typically <laughs> takes these things. <laughs> uh, but he, he seemed to take it serious. He said it was going to be the best celebrity wrestling match of all time. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it was very good. It sure was. I mean, best celebrity match. Is that is, is a celebrity match best rated by like business win or loss? Like if the rate this imagine, I don't think it would, but this imagine tonight they do like one point three. Okay. Would it be would it, would you look at that as like, okay, that changes its place in celebrity match history? Or are you purely talking about ring bell to bell actual success? It probably does change it a little bit. Because I do think yeah. like these celebrity matches a lot, not a lot, but a good chunk is is based on what it actually does for business ratings, pay per views, whatever. Because like at the end of the day, that's the point of it, right? Nobody expects mm -hmm. these people to come in here and have like an actual scientific technical wrestling match or anything. So if you can get a good spectacle out of it, like they did, and it helps business, 
Like that's that's all the more wins to me. Like that's why I think like the Lawrence Taylor match or the Floyd Mayweather match is are, are two tops. It's interesting because I think with a with a promotion like AEW, there are metrics that like it, you can't quite capture it, right? So like for example, this say tonight's rating isn't that impressive. I don't think that necessarily makes it a bust, right? No. Because Shaq posting that clip on his Instagram of him going through the table, if that gets like, I mean, that would do millions of views, I'd assume. He has many yeah. Instagram followers. Yeah. If that gets a few hundred thousand people to be like, AW never heard of it, Google's sees the Paul White news or whatever the hell, like that's kind of what this is now, I feel like. It's more brand awareness, I think, than it is like cut and dry how many pay-per-views. Does that make sense? It's like yeah. just adding more and more names that the casual – Wrestling fan is like, oh, I know what that is, AW. Whether that helps your bottom line, no clue. But it's clearly something they're they're trying to achieve, I think. I'd say that much. I don't know. I think if it does the same rating a typical dynamite does, I do think it's not like a failure because the match was still good, but pretty flat. Yeah, yeah. Like you could have you could have just not paid Shaq however much you paid him and done the same thing. Uh so I, I think that would that would be uh harmful not harmful but it would make it a miss uh mm-hmm. you know next week it's, it's going to be tough to gauge of okay does the the shack posting this clip help next week's ratings because you're coming off a of pay-per-view <laughs> anyway and yeah. like I, I don't think shack is adding you're gonna be like okay shack is adding a hundred thousand buys or a thousand buys to the pay-per-view on sunday so I do think a lot of it is going to be based on what this rating does here in an mm-hmm. hour I agree. I mean, it's the only thing to judge it on, right? It, it just is. But it was a weird dynamic having it on the go home. Obviously, that wasn't their initial plan. We understand that. But it, it was a strange dynamic, especially when within like traditional wrestling playbook, this was not in that one, right? This go home show. I mean, this was an odd show. It was built around a match that had nothing to do with the pay-per-view. <laughs> and it ended with a match that Bill, I mean, I'm sure TK sees it differently, but let's be honest. And a very much an underneath match for the pay-per-view, right? Like, it just is. Yeah, so, hang, yeah Hangman and right. uh, Matt Hardy is a, is a fine match on the pay-per-view, but probably exactly. we'll run down the card here in a second, probably, like, the least important, second least important match. Yeah, and, like, Mox and Omega wasn't there. They had the vignette, and I think yeah. there's something to this. So the last, someone points out on Twitter, the last go-home show was main evented by the Billy Gunn match which is undeniably one of the weirdest matches they've ever done on Dynamite, right? Remember the weird yeah. Cody and Gun Club? Yeah. Do you think they're trying to make like convince people to tune into that countdown deal? Do you think, think they were trying to do that? I think it's that. I also think like Tony Khan and, and even Cody both said like, you know, we want our go home shows to be like you're not just, you're not typical go home show of like, oh, here's the two guys that are fighting on Sunday, you know, tune in to to this type of thing. Like they want it to feel like almost a, a lead-in to the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Like, like People know, if you're an AEW fan, if Moxley and Omega are there and having a verbal warfare or a pull-apart, they got to stop these big brawls at the end of these uh, go-home shows, by the way. Every single time, Joseph. They'll never every stop. time. They'll never stop. It's just, you know, here's what it is. It's nitro. It's yeah. Nitro. Every single time. Um, like, you know, if, if Moxley and Omega are there and they do a contract signing, or something like is this going to sell 
anymore. See, it. I don't know. Yeah, we talk like, about it a lot. Like it's we're so used to things being a certain way, and it's like, is it any different? It might not be. It very well could. Like, and I, I'm with you 100. I think a lot of that stuff. It's like how many WWE feuds have actually been enhanced by their contract signing segment? Very few. You know, I mean, I can barely. I, mean, I remember the Drew and Roman one. Um, yeah. outside of that, it's slim. You know, so it's there's a way of doing things where it's like, it isn't necessarily wrong because it's different. I mean, as many people pointed out, but dynamite last night was like the absolute height of the, the kind of variety show buffet. I once read Eric Bischoff's book theory, right? Where it was like, man, you got, there must've been a segment in there that was for you surely. Right? Like it was, it was absurd program. Like when, I mean, the JJ Dillon thing was peak. Like he just walked down like, it's JJ Dillon. Here he is here on the dynamite. <laughs> It's such a strange show. And if you made me, and this is why, side note, I no longer review Dynamite because when I, like, break it down, there's so many things I would change about their show. But just watching it, it's, to me, and this is just my opinion, it's just the most energetic, exciting show by so far, man. It it really stands out to me on weeks like this where you just watch it and you're like, well, that was kind of dumb. I don't care about this match. But, man, I'm having fun watching this, you know? Maybe that won't be there forever. It's the shiny new toy right now. I get that. But it's still very palpable, even in this circumstance. It's been a year now, man. We still feel it. It's interesting. The energy level is definitely something that no other company has. Like, nothing. Because Raw, SmackDown, what what does that look for? Honor? Do you think Ring of Honor, Honor Club, has that kind of energy level? Okay. (laughs) I don't think any other company has that energy level. Like, Raw, SmackDown, even NXT, like... They're all feeling the same, like good or bad with Dynamite. And I do think they need to let things breathe sometimes. Yes. Like they literally went from Tony Blanchard just wrestled. Here's JJ Dillon. They're walking to the back. Tony and JJ are quipping at each other. Here's Paul White, big signing, Hall of Fame signing. Like there was no break in between mm-hmm. that whole thing. And it's like, can we can we let it breathe a little bit? Like this is something they've, they haven't done since like episode one. They just hit you with stuff immediately, immediately, immediately. And it can be overwhelming a lot of times when you do that. Uh, but there is something certainly always happening on these yeah. shows. Like I watched NXT last night. It felt like nothing was happening all show. It was just like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Here's a, I don't even remember who wrestled. Here's Legato del Fantasma attacking Brazongo after Karrion Cross killed him last last week. There was there's some other stuff. I, I don't even remember what happened on this show. And I covered this show. This is a show I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Because, like, a lot of it doesn't just feel that important. It's an example of a show that's, like, it's completely inoffensive for the most part. But it just operates on it's such familiar tropes and such familiar play. But it's like, you don't feel any. It's like, okay, they're doing that for you now. That's cool. That'll be a good match. There's no kind of sense of, like, my God, this feels like we're going in a completely different direction. You know, which is not always the case. A perfect example for, like, quality control stuff is... AEW did the Shaq spot, and like the next segment or two segments later, they did the thing where the Bucks broke both tables with with, and it's like, how did no one put their hand up and just go, can we not do any more table stuff after Shaquille O'Neal took a table bump? But let's be honest, that piece of like you know old school logic would that have changed their number one bit? No, you know it's it's, it's this weird thing where you have one side is the most quality controlled program in the weirdest ways. Like they have all these weird quirks. You can't say this word. Don't say that. Just say this. But on the other side, Dynamite is like 
almost dizzying with how little they care about that stuff. I'm not well, saying they, there needs they, to be a middle ground, but it's wild. They did the Bucks inner circle brawl, and then again, they do, as they do every go-home show, close it with a, a big brawling angle. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what they do on these things. Yeah, the call you mentioned it last week. I don't remember which show it was. Uh, but like they did like three backstage attack segments yeah. after after matches last week. Yeah, does it hurt? Like if if you're a casual viewer, are you <laughs> like, oh, this is too many backstage attack yeah. segments? Like, I I just feel like kind of the audience is what it is for a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff at this point, and. Yeah. You know, you're either gonna like that stuff or you're you're not gonna like that stuff. It just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of uh, new new hooks to anything. It, you said it to me a, a real long time ago. We we started doing this show and we were talking about Jim Ross, and you was like, a lot of the stuff he does wrong, the only people noticing in it are the people that are like already so deep in the bubble. And there is definitely a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people to watch Dynamite. And that thing I just said about free post match attacks. Did not give a shit that they did that. You know, there's definitely a couple hundred thousand people that when they hear JR say one of his annoying, you know, JRisms, were just like, oh, it's fun to have Jim back on the show. You know, like this, it's all we've got to a weird point now where people used to analyze a product based on how it would work for a casual audience. And now that that audience doesn't exist, the only people that are analyzing are analyzing like for their own purpose. It's such a strange place, right? I don't really get it. I don't know what the right or wrong is. I don't know how they grow their audience. None of us really know. So we're all just sort of guessing, right? But, you know, I, I think it's a good show. It's, it's got a lot of flaws, but I think it's a good show. It's a good show in that, again, there's stuff happening. I much prefer that to what I had to sit through with NXT mm-hmm. last night. And there's a big hook for Sunday, which we'll get to in a moment, but I believe you have some super chats and gimmickry you get to, right, Jeremy? But Ryan says, can't wait for Triple H to get to his own 83 Weeks podcast with Conrad, blaming that turncoat big show for losing the war. Hype for Sunday. Love you both. Glad to have this in my life every week. Lift my spirits. Hope you're doing well, Bud Ryan. Um, what's what's the hook for Sunday? The the Hall of Fame multi year signing. What do we do with this, Jeremy? Do we do the whole? Do we speculate in the most yeah. absurd way? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who's your okay. honest guess? My honest guess is Kurt Angle. Okay. I can't stress enough to you how little I want it to be Kurt Angle. <laughs> I would love for Kurt Angle. But the problem with Kurt is not only does no one want to see him wrestle because it, A, he can't go anymore, and B, it's just scary. I don't have any faith in Kurt being a good character on TV anymore, man. Like I, I yeah. think Kurt's like, – he's run as GM. I understand it's different there in the way they write stuff a certain way. It was bad. Like He looked always like he was just struggling to keep up. Um, so that's the one I don't want. There are two names that are vaguely feasible vaguely, I mean pushing it to the length, that would actually make people go, you know what, all of that hype was, was fitting. And it's Punk and it's Brock. Now, you yeah. can you, know, you can dismiss either one, but let's be honest, neither is impossible. No. However, I would suggest that if I had signed the CM Punk or the Brock Lesnar, my play would probably be them doing an angle and beating someone up, not Paul White, the big show, saying, here is CM Punk or Brock Lesnar. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you would do them in that fashion. Um, oh, my goodness. I'm not going to chat in this pot. I can't even see it. Because there's certain guys I would just talk about. I talk about it. I'm not doing it with him. I'm not doing it with him. I've got too much love. I've got too much love. Okay? There are, there are certain guys that, to me, you would slot in here where the big show brings that. 
these ain't you don't go Brock, man. You know, Punk. Yeah. Punk would attack Omega or Moxley. Like you would just do an angle. There's no way. Um, so that makes me then think it's going to be inevitably a disappointment. And then I ask, why is Tony doing this to himself when they have what looks like a home run of a pay per view? Why are you setting people up to be mad at you? So then we go to the tier below that, and he's like, okay, who's vaguely realistic possible that you would like to see? Christian is the name that comes to me. We spoke recently on here after the Rumble. Um, there you go. We spoke recently. We was like, where does he fit on a WWE roster? For AEW, he would be useful because he could actually like. I feel like he'd want to get stuck in and work with those guys. And that's very. I don't think they really need another like ambassador guy. You know, I just don't. Um, elsewhere, like I mean, who's the worst possible names? Like Van Dam. Van Dam would be terrible to me. I don't need that. I don't not know, man. Van Dam. There's not a lot of options though, right? Um, Brandon Jerky says the Hall of Fame signee is Bianca Del Rio. Do you know who that is, Joseph? I do not know this. It is a, a drag queen, comedy queen. Tremendous. My favorite drag queen. If it's Bianca Del Rio, that'd be great. She's a clown. She's like the fiend oh. Bray Wyatt, except like funny and good. I'm in in that case. <laughs> I'm all for clowns and wrestling. Uh, Bud Ryan says, it's Sid. Dude, if it's Sid... Man. It's over. Yeah, it's that's over. a wrap. <laughs> this podcast will never talk about WWE again if it's Sid. No, no. <laughs> never again if it is Sid. Uh, and yeah, Dole Webson and Mickey Barr says it could be Christian. My my genuine guess is Mick Foley. That's that's who uh, I I think it is. That's I'm. Mm. I don't think it's going. I I'm with you. I think it's on a level of like a Foley an angle mark henry something like that yeah <laughs> all these guys are friends with the big show okay yes, I'm like going, yes. I'm going mark like, henry i was totally with you on that i could see big show bringing out mark henry yes. yeah yeah so like that that's where my mind is going it's it's a guy like that um i'm with you if it's like punk or brock i i don't think you're hyping it up as like a hall of fame signing signing a multi-year deal like big show doing something like that uh like you're you're just gonna keep that a secret, and you're just gonna because that's what they do with Moxley, right? Like they had Moxley, but they didn't be like, oh, we're gonna have this big surprise here at the end of the show. Make sure you watch. It was just like he just came out. Same with like Santana and Ortiz and stuff. Like anytime they have a guy like on that level, they they don't like go hype train with it. They kind of like yeah, yeah. It's TNA, right? That's right. the old like how many former world champions did they announce to be like just completely flat. Yeah. It's dangerous, man. It's, it's very scary times. Like, how do you react if it's Mick Foley? I think it's a good pick. So how do you react if it is him? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> At least with Mick, like, I think he could be a good character. The question is, do they need another character? No. So then it's like, tough. See, I think if it's like any one of those guys, your point about Angle, yeah, I, I don't need to see him wrestle again. And the way he talks on 83, or not 83 weeks, on, on Kurt, Kurt Angle show, like, yeah. He wants to wrestle again. It sounds like like he oh, he felt my. like he felt like his last run in WWE. He because you know he wanted the match with John Cena. He thought he was going to get the match against like Jason Jordan before he got hurt. He didn't want Corbin to be his last match. Like he wanted. He talks. Uh, he was like, I knew they didn't have anything for me. The Drew match when he tapped me out with the ankle lock, and so he's like, at that point, it, I just saw the writing on the wall. I was like, okay, I'm done with it. 
but he said like i thought i could have been a world champion like i wanted to re, uh do team angle with uh gable and jordan like i i was really ready for this big last run it sounds like he feels like he still has something there i just i'm sorry i i, I just don't see any need for it i really don't it Kurt's, Kurt was an incredible athlete, but he's he was just a complete nuisance to his own body. He would just damage himself in, in spots where he didn't need to. And he's now an old man. Not old man, that's too far. But for a professional wrestler, old man, you know? I don't know, man. I, I'd be pretty against that, I have to say. I really would. Uh, the lips of Mickey Bar says, but he said Hall of Fame worthy, not Hall of Famer. What like what Hall of Fame we're talking about? Did they on, acknowledge the WWE but- Hall of Fame? But also, did Tony say that or show? Show said it. Show, show also said called call the pay per view evolution. So <laughs> I would, like, I understand your point, and a lot of people pointed it out. I get it, but like, you know, I don't think Show was like given based on how his promo went. I think he was just talking, you know. And also, again, like, did they acknowledge the WWE Hall of Fame? Is Mark Henry, Kurt Angle? I think Kurt Angle probably is. Uh, who else? Foley? Are they in the Observer Hall of Fame? Because that's the only thing TK acknowledges. Henry definitely isn't. I can yeah. tell you that much for sure. Uh, the others probably are. Yeah. yeah. Henry would be like, it's such a bummer because if Mark Henry just came out and dynamite, I would definitely pop. But like him coming out as like a major acquisition would be the most TNA chef. And I'll be looking for Dixie in the crowd. What's going on here? You know, it's difficult, man. I, I, I just, when I saw it, I was like, why are they doing this to themselves? You know, because it will be the whole headline if it's bad. And there's so few. Obviously, look, here's the deal: if they have one of the guys we mentioned, the top those top names, brother, show off, have fun. But it seems awful unlikely you'd bring him in with Paul White, the Big Show. <laughs> just my take on it. They're just gonna come in and like, because it said they're Tony said like they're gonna sign the contract right there. They're just gonna come in and sign the contract on the show. Like Brock ain't doing that, right? Like, that would yeah. That you could see Punk doing it. Yeah. The thing is with their schedule. They can like, you know, those deals like Hogan and WCW way back when, where it's like four pay per view dates a year. But you could do that with a Brock or Punk, and they would miss not one pay per view. You know, because of their schedule, you could have guys like rotating out, build to four matches a year. Which I'm sure, you know, Brock loves money, man. He loves money. But again, there's no way Brock Lesnar's coming out and signing a contract standing next to Paul White at the Big Show. I just can't see it. Why would you have him do that? And I think I said it last week when we talked about the big show jumping. Like Lesnar is just a guy that I, I he does love money. I don't see Vince being Let out him, there yeah. For, yeah, for 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 Brock Lesnar. If it is John Cena, what do you do? <gasps> oh my God, we're never talking about uh, WWE again. <laughs> a scoopster, a certified scoopster, said to me that the John Cena has a show coming out on TNT. So my yeah. suggestion is that John Cena is the new member of um, the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, imagine if it's Cena after. That's why he's not going to be at Mania because he signed with AEW, Joseph. Not quarantine rules, not filming. He signed with AEW, so he's not going to be at Mania. Um, honestly, imagine. I mean, it's no way, but imagine. Just seriously fathom a thought of John Cena walking out, shaking hands with Paul White, the big show, and TK and signing a contract. Like that would be <laughs> truly history. In like a, a thousand seat daily's place where everyone's spaced out and wearing masks. Holy shit, that'd be incredible. What if it is Pat McAfee? Please don't. It's not. 
Let's not do that. No, I just, I can't, I can't deal with that conversation being the thing. I, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I'm dreading this, like actual dread, because it is just, it's the worst thing as a fan because you talk yourself into all these exciting scenarios, and then yeah. guys that you would normally pop for, you're going to be like, oh, like even Christian, oh, dude. I we got love for Christian, yeah, yeah. And there's matches when I say, be honest, when he walks out, if he walks out, I should say, if hey, <laughs> if he walked out on Sunday. You would still be a bit like, oh, it's Christian, you know, because you your mind's racing. You can't, you can't just, you can't put these things out there. But yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Who do you think the sixth man is in the ladder match? Ethan Page. I think people are very convinced that it's Ethan Page. It's. I could see it also being um, uh, Gage. I could see it in Matt Warner. I would expect Ethan Page. I don't know if Gage is healthy. Like he's been, he's right, been injured yeah. for like a year. And last I knew, like he was asking for uh, GoFundMe to like get another surgery. I don't know. Ain't no better GoFundMe than Tony Khan's pocket, bro. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I'll say that. I mean, I don't know. The sixth man thing is, you know, I don't want to say it's relevant, but when you're advertising a huge acquisition, I would not really want to be the sixth man, right? Because you're just inevitably like the second talking point as far as newcomers. So. We'll let's see. run down. Let's go ahead and run down Revolution, and we'll get into uh, okay. your Bob Lashley victory lap and the marathon being over. Um, <laughs> so the buy-in match: Thunder Rosa and Riho against Britt Baker and Rebel slash Reba. It, it was said that Rebel slash Reba might not be cleared, and if that's the case, Britt needs a new partner. People have bantered around uh, Diana for this spot. What do you think? I'd be surprised on the buy-in, to be honest with you. Um, I'd expect maybe Chris, Chris Statland. I wouldn't surprise me. Um, what the reason for that be? No clue. They have to figure it out themselves. But why would you, you know, again, it's like surely something. I, I, um, I'm I, a little bit disappointed. I get why, because of how many matches are on the show. I would have really fought hard for um women's title match as well as Thunder Rosa and Britt on the pay-per-view card. You know, I mean, that could have been a really like tr- big triumph for the division, but this suggests they're continuing that fr- that feud anyway. So as long as they get to like a big match, like, I would like to see them main event at Dynamite in some sort of stip match. You know, Britt and Thunder Rose. I think that'd be really cool for the division. But you know, it's a buy, and I'm glad they're on there. No one expected the women's title match at this pay-per-view to be the way it is. No yeah. one saw the bracket plan that way, which I think is cool. So I'm glad they're still here. Should be fine. Uh, Zelina possibility if uh, Rebel next, go. next Wednesday. Hey, yeah, okay. Uh, that makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> Casino Tag Team Royale. Just a bunch of tag teams. They get a tag title shot if they win. See, to me, that's the buy-in match. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I this just... or the Miro match is the buy-in match, honestly. I think it's a major, major miss having Pack and Phoenix just be like in this. This just. <laughs> I I would I thought Pack was going to be the six man in the ladder match because when they said, "Oh, it's a mystery person," I thought it was going to be Pack, and then you know they said, well, "Okay, well, it's a new person." I was like, "All right, well, that kind of rules out Pack." Uh, mm. But I thought I thought it was going to be him in that match. Yeah, just like I agree, just putting Pack and Phoenix in this, it feels. I think they might actually win. It's them or Chaos Project, right? Yeah, I mean, Chaos Project, I think, could suffer from expectations being so high because they're such a lot to win it. Um, I think we're going. I'm going to jump ahead here for the sake of this conversation. 
I think there's a very good chance that the Chris and the MJF win the tag titles. Very good chance. I agree. Because then the aforementioned signing that would come in next Wednesday could then we could get to the program that I mentioned weeks back of Santana and Ortiz versus Chris and MJF. And you could use that aforementioned signing as like the voice that turns them against the champs, you know, because them having the belts you'd think would be like the ultimate. Holy shit. What's happened to our place in the faction here? Right. You would think so. Yeah. Because what do the Bucks do? If they, I mean, because obviously this title match, you know, everyone's about, they'll do that match on TV. I get that. But what's the matches for the Bucks that you're looking ahead to, you know? It seems like they're setting up against Gallows and Anderson. But do you think they're going to do champ versus champ? I always assume they wouldn't. No, I don't think they. I don't think they will. I see the Bucks being like, okay, look, we're you know we're bulletproof here. We're office brother. We can do the right thing politically and lose to Gallows and Anderson. You know, because Impact's like, let's be honest, they got, you know, that's their that's their guys, right? Like top guys in Impact is them too. Realistically, in terms of stature and pay, I don't yeah. imagine. They don't want them losing as champs to the AW champs. So to me, it would make more sense if not, even a non-title match the Bucks put over goes now. So even if in shady foot, you know, circumstances, um, which would suggest if you're building to that, you need to get the belts off the Bucks. So I don't know. It's it's fascinating to me that for so much talent in the tag division, there isn't a bunch of matches that they haven't done that are like leaping off the page to me. I've got to be honest, which is kind of. Not Obama, but it's a little bit like, hmm, feels like it could be better. You know, it's interesting. What What are the odds that the Bucks win, Pack and Phoenix win, and they just want to do this TV main event, Bucks against Pack and Phoenix? Very, the odds are very good. I mean, I think it's, you know, they're sure. Because that is what more and more, especially in the current climate, that is just what this is now in many ways, right? It's just producing cool content for television. <laughs> True. It makes these conversations rather silly. But the truth is, a Pack and Phoenix main against the Young Bucks would be one of the best matches in Dynamite history, most likely. So, yeah. like, can we really complain? No. I just, I mean, also the other thing is FTR are definitely heading back to the belts at some point, right? They haven't, you, you know. They've, so, there's a million and more ways it can go. The, the tag division is so deep. It's just, I think you need more of an identity to the title picture. If that makes any sense, you know? Well, FTR aren't like technically in this match, and so they're not even on the pay-per-view. And th- this is where I was talking about earlier. They treat Dynamite like it's almost like a prelude yes. to the pay-per-view. Like that's why you have FTR, that's why I have Jurassic Park or Jurassic Park, Jurassic <laughs> Express on on that show cuz as of now they're not on the pay-per-view. Maybe they do uh get added, but I mean we saw the angle with Sean Spears and you got the fours and and everything like you think that's going anywhere? No. Um, we're already horsemen. We're we're horsemen yeah. with the Luther and Serpentico. I mean they need if, I mean I think Sean Spears is a very very solid like puzzle piece within it, but you're going to need the a top guy to make up for him. Because yeah. the thing is if you went with like and this is not a knock on Sean's ability, it's just where he is on the card. If you had two guys that are both like upper mid, you'd be okay with them to an FTR. With Sean, unfortunately, he's below that by such a distance. You're going to need like an actual top guy. So unless you're getting Cody, like who else are we looking at here? You know, like I don't really see the uh, unless maybe Sammy. Maybe you do Sammy. Maybe that's what you do. I haven't got a clue, dude. That doesn't feel like a fit. No, Sammy doesn't feel like a fit at all. And I mean, Sammy's not even like a top top guy. Like but but you, the idea would be they're getting him. Like, yeah, I'm with you. Who else is though? Because MJ is like deep in, right? I mean, he would be perfect, but he's doing other stuff. Yeah, Cody's like the guy that makes the most sense 
for this mm. spot. I just don't know if that's where they're going with it. Uh, but maybe. I mean, I don't know what Cody's doing. I, I don't think he's going to win this Face of the Revolution ladder match. No. You can't do Cody and Darby again. No, it'll be Penta, I think. Yeah. Penta or Scorpio, we might guess. That makes sense. Pen, I, I think Penta makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, Cody, I could see Cody joining this group. I really could. Mm-hmm. I just think he likes being kind of like face of the brand, baby face, using for me. Like, you know, I think he kind of likes being like the plug and play guy. You know, like he does his own thing. He's like in his own world almost, Cody, isn't he? A lot of time. Like, if it was, like him, of course, he was the guy that put Shaq from the table. Like, of course. I don't know if he wants to be what you'd have to be in that role, which is like the top heel on the show. I don't know if he really cares. I feel like he wants to make more bad television shows. <laughs> you know? So uh, we'll see. I mean, I'll be all for it. I love the Cody. I think you, I wish you could do more. But I just, it feels to me more like that was just a moment and they wanted to do something. And in, you know, in, in hindsight, thank God they did because with the Crockett news, like that was yeah. a really powerful segment, you know, yeah. to have, to have on Tully, JJ and Shivani all on the screen at once was like pretty wild. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it really means anything to be honest with you. I, I mean, I'd like it to, but I don't think it does. Uh, Miro, Kip Sabian, Orange Cassidy, Chucky e. T. Miss, complete miss. I, I think it's a complete error that this is on there. I'm sure they have analytics that suggest it does good ratings or whatever, but I just, I can't imagine caring. I'm sorry. I think they're all talented guys to different extents, but I cannot imagine possibly caring. It's a shame. Uh, Shida against Mizunami. Should be great. Yeah. In Bell to Bell should be great. Very cool to me that they didn't do the pretty easy play of being like, you know, we'll do this Japanese bracket. It'd be cool. But, you know, then eventually Brit beats the Japanese finalist. And then and it could have been Yuka easily. And then just like, okay, now we move to um, uh, Shida and Brit. I mean, it's very cool that they didn't do that. Um, I've, I think in ring, that tournament was like a complete hit. Timing made it seem rushed. It didn't have the feel you wanted it to, did it, in the final? You know, it felt more like, oh, my God, we're here? Oh, wow. Yeah. But the match on, I mean, the match on Sunday would be great. I just, I don't see Sheeta losing. So then you're kind of left being like, what are we actually, where are we going here? You know, like, we're still heading towards a Brit title win in May. Hard to tell. Very difficult. I don't see Sheeta losing either, but they might just go with Mizunami. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Just to do something different, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they honestly might just do it because uh, the women's title is cold. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very cold. The tournament was great. They had some really good matches in there. 
like Joseph said, it, it was rushed. I mean, they did the U S final and then the Japanese final or a semifinal. And they just packed it all into like one week. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tony was making passive aggressive tweets, at bleacher report and everything though. It, it didn't seem like the, the completely ideal situation. The women's title though, is just, it's so cold. Like when was the last time she yeah. wrestled Abaddon, right? Like that was the last title mm-hmm. defense. Yeah, it's just been, I mean, it's been a long title, right? It's been awful puzzling to just watch so little what you would describe as feuds, right? I mean, she had the extended stuff with Nyla, but ne- they never felt like a feud because of the way it was done. Like, they just restarted it to get on full gear, was it, I want to say? Remember they just sort of dropped it back on there? It was really yeah. odd. Yeah. She had the Thunder Rosa, like, cross-promotional, which wasn't supposed to be a feud. I get that. Penelope was a one-match deal. Like, it's just, you know, it's just been a whole lot of stuff. Not a whole lot. It's been a, just a little bit of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just a little stuff. It's all been pretty good stuff because Sheeta's really good. It certainly feels like before this division can really like go as it needs to, they've got to figure out the title at least. They've got to have, and this is not a knock on Sheeta. It's just they're not. They've not done it with her. They have to find someone that can be a consistent presence on this show as champ. Before you worry about all this other stuff to me, and I've always thought that'd be Brit because that's who they seem most confident with as a, as a character. But it could be anyone, you know. Like I mean. Here's the thing, man. She's brand new. How high do you think they are on Jade? Because where do you go with Jade now? If she just does dark squash matches for six months, it's all for naught to me. You, you need to keep the momentum going without overexposing her, right? So there's 101 kind of different ways to go with it. It just feels like you need some kind of new title reign to mark, like, okay, now we're in a new, here's the wrong word, we're in a new chapter for the women's division. That's the way it feels to me. I don't think that's coming Sunday. It's got to come soon, though. It really does. Yeah, I, I think Sheeta's going to retain. It wouldn't shock me if they do Mizunami and then almost do like a, a transition type mm-hmm. deal. Um, Hangman Page against Matt Hardy. I think it'll actually be fine. I like Hangman. I, I actually think the feud has been not bad considering what they're doing. Uh, but like, it seems foregone conclusion Hangman's winning this. Yeah, I mean, I think it, we, we were very critical initially. Um I think, you know, Matt has done a very good job of rebounding with his character. I mean, he's done oh, it before. Oh, the pivot's been great. Yeah. He's done it before, which I understand. But, like, this is just a much better usage of him. I think he's given Private Party a sort of more a more useful identity to the show that this particular time they're in now, you know? Like, because beforehand they were just – they were being used as, like, the flashy babyface team that you, you put in for an exciting loss, which is just – it isn't sustainable in a tag division of 15 teams. They were you know? top flight. They were top flight. Yeah. Literally, that was exactly it. So, and with top flight, it feels a lot more kind of fitting because like those guys are so young, right? You can yeah. kind of chip away with them. I think he's helped them. I don't need him to do singles matches on pay per view. I'm still not like pumped for it. I'm gonna be honest with you, but yeah, he's done everything he can do, man. He's he's been a, a fun character on the show. I think the story's good. I think people are completely missing. I, I have to say, I mean, to me, people are misunderstanding when they say like, "Oh, they've called off Hangman." I couldn't disagree more. To me, it's obvious where Hangman's going. There's a difference between calling the guy off and rotating him out so that you don't get exposed to him. You know, like his arc was a big part of 2020 for Dynamite. It's still happening. The thing is that all these people are trying to win him over because they know he's an awesome wrestler and a cool guy, but he's not, you know, he's not comfortable joining anyone yet, right? That's the whole point of the Hangman character. It's got you've got to slow it down so that when he eventually wins the belt, which I think he will this year, it means it means as much as it could. So I think it's a fine way to get Hangman a win. Do I need it on the pay-per-view? No, but I'm sure it'll be fine. 
No, I probably could have done that, done this on the dynamite last night, honestly, mm-hmm. is, is the big thing. Yeah, I don't think they've they've cooled off Hangman in a sense that he was a tag team champion and paired with Kenny Omega, and now Omega's the world champion and Hangman is facing Matt Hardy on pay-per-view. Like, sure, if that's cooling the guy off, then they have cooled him off. But it's not like he's complete. You're right. Like, there's a difference between rotation and then just like taking him completely off of television and doing absolutely nothing with him. Like, yeah, because if you were heavy handed with the story, he'd be losing all the time and they don't want him to lose all the time. So, therefore, he has to be working underneath because they want to keep him winning. You know, it's just Tony Khan even said that today. Like, he's on a win streak right now. Like he's been winning a lot of matches and now he's going to face Matt Hardy and probably win this match. Like he hasn't lost since the Omega match uh, before that him and Omega weren't losing those tag team matches and stuff. Um, and you're right. Like it is part of a story of like, he's not a very trusting guy right mm-hmm. now. And you got dark order, you got a uh, private party, Matt Hardy trying to win him over. And he's also being smart. Like he's still not being taken advantage of with this stuff either. Like people think they yeah. can take advantage of him, and he's not allowing that to happen either. I really do think though that it's going to be. Um, I think the Dark Order thing is they've decided that's where it's going now. Like I yeah. think at first, clearly the idea was they're going to take advantage of Hangman. Things have clearly changed, um, and I think they see them as baby faces now. You know, Definitely. so I think now it really will be a story of Hangman like embracing the fact that these dudes love him, which is kind of it's neat, right? And he becomes the leader. And everything that comes with that role is like, you know, that's pretty powerful stuff. So I think that can be very effective. You just have to, you have to take your time with it because if not, you'll muddy the waters as we see elsewhere. I don't have to explain, <laughs> to explain any further than that. We've seen it a million times, right? It's that kind of story. You have to gun down with it. Otherwise it won't work. Uh, we talked about the the tag team title match. Um, face of the 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 ladder match, we, we, we touched on that as well. Unless you have anything to add to either of those matches. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sting and Darby against uh, Team Taz. I don't think this is live. I think this is a, a pre-tape deal here. Mm-hmm. So I imagine they'll shoot this on like Saturday night. Um, I, I'm sure they will shoot around it enough. Ricky is going to he's going to bump his ass off on this. Darby is going to bump his ass off and take some crazy bumps. Sting will have his moments, and Brian Cage has, has looked as best he's ever looked since his Lucha Underground days, at least in my mind. So I think it'll it'll be good. I agree. I, I think they've done a good job of salvaging what was pretty flat three weeks ago. Now feels relatively heated and exciting. You know, I, I think it's not, it's maybe not um, the blockbuster hit they wanted it to be, but we have to be fair here in saying he debuted on the Winter is Coming episode, which was, I believe, 2nd of December. Yeah. Three months. I mean, because remember, he debuted running off Team Tats. I mean, he didn't really run them off. They just sort of left. But... It was always going to be a challenge, I think, to get them to this point. But they've got there, and I think they've they've, they've kind of filled in the gaps enough that with a few days remaining before it's here, it's been a success. You know, I think the key is now positioning Sting in a way and presenting him in a way that's not damaging to the young guys he's against, but is respectful of his status as a legend and doesn't make everyone go, okay, I never want to see Sting again. Because the truth is... Let me reiterate, they're paying him a lot of money. <laughs> and this is not the season finale for Sting. You know, like this is step one. This needs to be a hit because I'd imagine their theory is this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a new tradition. It's the Sting cinematic match on these four pay-per-views. That's not going to go very far if the first one sucks. 
So this, this hope is good, and they, they're going to have to be creative using this thing moving forward to make it worth their while. But I'm optimistic it'll be good. I, I think, you know, they've got the right... They've got my trust in this regard. I haven't always loved their stuff like this. I mean, I remember... Um, I remember the Brit cinematic match was not so good. No. But that was very different, wasn't it? I think it's fair to say there's probably a lot more production going into this one. So I think it'll be good. I hope so. Uh, they've definitely heated this up in the last three weeks because for a while it just got – there was nothing happening in this feud. Um, the power bomb really kicked it off last week with the zip line. That was very good. And I thought last night was good with uh, Ricky getting in Sting's face and, and Sting showing some fire and everything with that and Ricky – uh, bumping around really well for him. And again, I I think Ricky and Darby are going to be very good in this match. Sting, we will see. Uh Brian Cage, he'll he'll look good throwing Darby around. He'll he'll try his best to throw Sting around. It's just a matter of like how much is of that stuff is Sting gonna gonna really take for that. Uh and Brian shouldn't really be bumping too much for like there'll be weapons and everything, mm-hmm. but Ricky's definitely a guy who's who's going to be bumping his ass off for for Sting in this match to make his offense look very good, even if Sting can barely move at sixty four or however old he is. But yeah, you're right. The bigger picture is like this needs to be good because it doesn't feel like a one off for Sting. Like it seems like at some mm-hmm. point they'll build to a Darby Sting match, or that you know who knows where this story is yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, but the first one has to hit for there to be any interest in in any type of follow up. Definitely, because I think, you know, the Sting brand was back to, to where they needed it to be when he debuted because it was exciting, right? Yeah. Three months later, I wouldn't call it, a, you know, a failure by any means, but, like, people aren't talking about Sting an awful lot because what is there to talk about, really? I mean, the Powerbomb was something to talk about, but you can't just do you can't just do that every time. You sign Sting to not do that. You don't need to do kind of these dangerous, like, oh, my God, he took a Powerbomb. Um so you need to leave Sunday. I think one of their biggest things this weekend is like, look, man, for better or worse, that thing's going to be a spectacle main event. So you can you don't have to really worry about it. Even if it sucks, you gambled on exploding Bob by death match. You know, like what's the what's the worst thing happen? The two things to me are number one, the sign that we spent twenty minutes talking about. But I think second is like you need Sunday to have people saying, hey, they've found something here with Sting in this format. If not. I don't know what you now do with Sting. I have no clue what you then do with him. I, I don't even know what you do if it works. It's going to be hard enough. So you do we'll Sting and Foley. Sting and there Foley once they got Foley coming in. That's never gone badly before in other promotions. <laughs> Try to recapture history. Good call. Very <laughs> cool. Uh, and then the exploding barbed wire death match, Moxley and Omega. This is. It's going to be something. Uh, I'm I'm very interested in this match because it's. I, I was at full gear. I did get uncomfortable with some of the stuff. This is not my cup of tea by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but like Moxley is very good in these settings and Kenny Omega is just a very good professional wrestler. And so I think it'll be good. They, they're not going to half-ass this with cheap looking explosions and, you know, not delivering on blood and violence and everything. I think they will try their damnedest. Will it hit? After a four-hour show, that's my concern. It's going to be divisive, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it could be the best exploding Bible uh, deathmatch ever, and by its nature, it's going to be divisive just based on the fact of what it is and two guys in it. People are going to be split on this. The key is it just it, the the energy and the excitement matches the the idea of it. 
a lot of people watching on Sunday have never seen this match before. It's a draw. It's really, I mean, it can be just pure violence. And I, I think this will be that at times, but it's drama, you know, it's, it's, oh my God, is he about to, is he not? You know, it's, it's that deal. How you do that in this setting, I have no clue. I don't know how excited the crowd are going to be for that at four hours into a show. It's a mystery, man. I, I do not know, but I think that's part of the appeal. I personally was a lot lower on uh, Mox and Omega's Winter is Coming match than a lot of people. I didn't think it was like a great match by any I thought it was fine. Good match. I personally, if they're going to run it back, need to sound crazy. Even still, this is crazy than I expected them to do, right? So I'm, I'm for it completely as a fan. Um, I just hope that it's like... I don't even know if good's the right word for a match like this, right? Like, what does that even mean? I just hope it's an exciting experience and not like, oh, man, I'm not sure about this. You know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be exciting. Okay, I have faith in in these guys. Um, my My concern is just like, how much am I going to get into this at midnight when I know we have a post show to do? And like, if I could watch this more as a fan and not as someone doing work, I'd probably be like a little more into it. But as someone doing work, it's already tough for me to get into a lot of stuff and to get into something that doesn't pique my interest anyway. And as a, an exploding barbed wire death match at the end of a four hour show, they're going to have, they're going to have their work cut out for them. And I have faith that they can do something very good and mm-hmm. it might not appeal to me, but you know what? If the majority of the fan base enjoys it and they come away with it, like, Hey, that was great. It delivered on what I wanted to. That's what matters. Like they shouldn't, they're not just trying to appeal to me. They should, but mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Omega's winning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Omega's winning. Do we have no doubt? I don't, I don't think so. No, I don't. I really don't have any doubt. Like, I'd love if Moxley won. I we we both love John yeah. Moxley, but I just don't see him winning this match. Before the last, uh, before All Out twenty twenty, yes, twenty twenty. That's when we did this podcast, right? Here we go. We successfully guessed that Eddie Kingston would be Moxley's next pay per view match. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, we kind of did it backwards and fell into it, but we did it. Gut feeling, double or nothing. What is it? Ten weeks away? Eleven weeks away? Something like that. Who will Kenny Omega be wrestling on that pay-per-view? In your just just instincts. Hmm. Pack. Oh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think it'll be some kind of you know ladder or something like that. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. There you go. Great minds, pal. JJ says, Joe, your feature on Team Tabs is awesome. I think everybody loved it, Joseph. Everybody loved it. Everybody. Every no one had person. any specific problem with it. No. Thank the good. Thank. I'd be devastated if someone had a problem with it. You know, <laughs> be devastated if you didn't have a good hook in that feature that you know people didn't have a problem with. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, Lashley. <laughs> Bob Lashley, take your take your victory lap, Joseph. You called this months ago. You said Lashley's the guy for Mania, and here we are. He's the guy. Scratch that, Jeremy. I called this years ago, before this podcast, when it was when when Bob first came back and they killed him dead. I mean, dead via you know sisters and Sammy and all this filth. Everyone said, "Oh, we said he was never that good." You see, it's just that minor league impact. They all said it. They all laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now, Jeremy? Who is laughing now? Because I was right all along. 
And it just goes to show you that if you take a guy that looks like a comic book character, a comic book hero, can have good matches and he's like legitimate and you just avoid his one weakness, he can actually be very good. Just goes, I never could figure out before this. It's not like been done elsewhere, right? Seriously, I think the significance of this is lost on us right now. I think it's actually a pretty awesome moment in the professional wrestling, uh, you know, chronicles, so to speak. I think the Hurt Business is a timeless, all-time great act that we'll look back on very, very fondly one day. I say all of these things to say that as the dust settled and all of the social media content was added and all of the post-match stuff was filmed, I thought this was one of the more um, poignant, sort of sincere triumphs I've seen in wrestling some time. I didn't pop for the actual moment itself as I wish I did. I didn't love the execution. That doesn't matter. They got what they needed to, and they maintained their audience on Monday, which was the key. So I have no issue with that. But at the end of the day, this is a story of, like, genuine perseverance, a guy who easily could have just gone, well, that didn't quite work out. I'm done. I'm going to go fight Bellator. But he consistently got better. And when TNA was in a pretty rough state at times, he was a highlight for that promotion, you know? Lashley is not... He doesn't come in the package that we're used to when we talk about guys that are like really perseverance. They paid their dues, you know? We think about a guy like Kingston or Kevin Owens, the, the everyman. Bob ain't that guy, man. <laughs> Bob always looked like he should be the top guy. That almost, to me, makes it more admirable the way he's stuck at it. And he got so much better. He has an, There's an Iron Man match here with Edward, which is like incredible. Stunning that he was able to have those matches considering where he started as a, as a belt of bell guy. He just, he came a long way, and this is a really cool moment for him. Alongside him, MVP, I mean, what is there left to say about that story? Right? One, just a great success story. Shelton and Cedric, I mean, Shelton, if anyone can relate to, to Bobby, it would be Shelton. And Cedric Alexander, just a tremendous talent. It's a really cool moment, I think. And for all of my issues with WWE's booking, I can't credit them enough for just saying, you know what, we're going to book this guy as an attraction. He's not going to lose every week. He's going to be dominant, and we're going to make it worthwhile in the end. They did all of that. They ticked every box. Big thumbs up. Congrats to Big Van Bob. The story of perseverance, you're right. Like, you look at Lashley. They should have walked in there from day one and, like, been given <laughs> given the king's keys to the kingdom. He should have, like, he should have been lesnar And I know that was the, the early comparison of everything, but, like, that's how they should have booked him because he has that look. He has that demeanor, and you could easily pull that off with him. And they didn't. They made him do a lot of silly stuff. Uh, when he returned in 2018, it seemed like that was the time. All right, they're gonna they're gonna strap him up immediately. Like everyone saw it in Impact. Like this can be the top guy. He's clearly improved from his last WWE run to this WWE run. So he can be the top guy. And instead, they put him in a bunch of silly stuff. And he just kept going through it. And I listened to his interview um, on After the Bell, which was which was very good. And he talked about like, yeah, Paula Cruz messaged me before I returned and was just like, dude, how, like, I'm floundering here. What can I do? And Lash is like, you're in the best company. Just keep going, keep going. Like that opportunity will come, that break will come. And once it does, it'll be because you, you push through it all and you stuck with it and it'll feel so much sweeter when it happens. And then he talked about his own run. He's like, I could have come back and, you know, I could have, face drew i could have beaten a bunch of guys i could have faced brock and they could have made me the guy i said i'll pay my dues and i'll i'll 
I'll stick it out. I'll, I'll go through the grit. They love that term. Uh, I'll go through the grit if you need me to. And that's what he had to do with the the Sammy stuff and the sisters and like the Leo stuff was very good, but mm -hmm. even that could have been so much more than it was. Um, and, and that's what he did. And he finally like the hurt business latched on. It worked great. I mean, there were a huge highlight of 2020 uh, and it all, it all paid off because they did not beat him every single week they kept the title on him they kept him strong they gave him a lot of wins and it was it was a big triumph and it was a great moment for for bobby lashley and i yeah i didn't have as much investment as you uh in it but i still popped for it was just it was a good moment for lashley to win that match win that title and even though they dragged it out across the three hours like they still in the end did the right thing with it and there was no shenanigans with it and he just flat out dominated the man 100 yeah and that's what's most important right like you can sit here and you can go through all the details and it's like from our position i'm torn because it bums me out that a guy like lashley has to just like stick with it and go through all this shit that just it shouldn't be the case that's my belief you know you have an asset maximize it don't make them prove themselves as a, as a soldier so to speak but that doesn't make his story any less kind of motivating and inspiring right you can still take something from what, what Lashley did if you watch the video after he, he's won the title and they're all together it is such a great encapsulation of who he is as a person because in this moment which is undeniably the peak of his career and we'll probably be remembered for forever he doesn't have anything to say <laughs> it's the other guys that have to pump Lashley up and be like you're the man dude you've done it he doesn't have any time for that. You know, he's not that guy. He's, he's really cool. And um, I'm just glad he's escaped the category of being like a flop. I remember the guy they tried to make Brock. That stuff really frustrated me because he was better than that. Um, and now that's the case. You know, he's now in the history book for a different reason. It's very cool. Joseph, we have a minute to kill. I know. I know. I know Bob O'Neill's not here. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> he's oh, not dear. backstage. He's not in the satin position. And very concerning here. Oh, dear. Well, it appears that the boy O'Neill Corner 3 has been cancelled here, folks. <laughs> We're, this is the third week of the segment, and O'Neill is already big-timing us. Wow. wow. He said he should be here within two minutes. Four o'clock. I'm cutting his time. Wow. I'm cutting his time. It's going to be Bob O'Neill's – his foot's on the line. Bob O'Neill's Corner 2. He has 900 words this week. Well? Wow. Guys. The clock this starts at, three, at 4 o'clock. This is when he comes on. This is when uh, everything – this is when he gets a shot up. And if he goes late, he gets less time. Wow. This is this is history. I was talking about Bob Lashley. This is – I mean, this is one of the marking the distraction history books, right? What we get, what do we do to O'Neill? Does he get fined? No, he gets his time cut. I feel like it needs to be more than that. We've trusted him with a segment of the show. Marked it in. People are tuning in now. Come in find him? We can find him. him. Yes. Okay. Well, when he, when, he gets here, when he gets here, we will let him know he's been fined. His time okay. has been cut. There he is. There he is. Okay. O'Neal. What's up? You're late. You've been fined for showing up late. And your time has been cut. Well, I don't think I'm late. It's 3 o'clock right now. No. You're, you're 30 seconds late. You've been fined. Show up on time. And you're, you're, you've also you've lost 30 seconds. So this is Bob O'Neill's. Corner two and a half. Your foot is on the line. Uh, we will still play 
the the intro here because it's the greatest thing I've ever created. <laughs> and then your time will start, O'Neal. Are you ready? Uh, yes. Okay. History final. Okay, so yeah, uh, episode three of Young Rock, and I don't—I'm not going to get through the whole review this week. I'm not even going to try. I tried last week; it was a disaster. Um, but so we're going back to 1982. So we actually do have Young Rock instead of High School Age Rock, and that's cool. Um, big fan of that. So I think a couple things I want to talk about here is really the whole premise of this episode is like, you know, Rock's grandmother's running their promotion, and King Kong Bundy's there, and Randy Savage is there, and Andre the Giant's there. And, you know, I said early on, you got to be out of the wrestling bubble to really enjoy this show. And you do, especially this episode, because none of those guys were there. We all know that. Um, so you got to try and believe that the whole time. But also, we meet the Vince McMahon character for the first time in this episode. And, you know, I talked about how Ed Orgeron has a real distinct voice and personality. And obviously, Vince McMahon does, too. They did not nail that like they did with Ed, Or- Ed Orgeron. So... You know, going back to my first point, I just I want to ask Dwayne the Rock Johnson, how much am I supposed to suspend my disbelief here that all these guys actually worked in Hawaii for your grandmother? And I assume he's going to see this. Um, but yeah, so just kind of getting back to the episode here. How how are we on time? Oh, okay, there we go. Um, yeah, so getting back to the episode, you know, all these guys are in Hawaii, and uh, you know, Andre the Giant's down there, and he's like, oh look, Vince made me an action figure. And Rocky Johnson's like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to get one too. I'm going to be the top guy. And kind of all the other ones are like, all the other guys are like, no, you're probably not. You know, Andre's the top guy. Um, and, you know, Andre, Rocky Johnson's like, well, no, it's fine. I'm going to become the top guy someday anyway. I'm not really concerned about it. And so while this is happening, um, like I said, Rock's grandmother's trying to uh, book this event. And King Kong Bundy's like, oh, I can't be there. My mother's sick. So she looks in the newspaper, he's going to wrestle for another promoter. So, you know, she's real mad about that. And she's like, you know, don't say your mother's sick and, you know, leave me like that. And that's fair. You know, I, I don't blame her for being upset about that. That's a business, but, you know. Um, yeah, so we go back and, uh, you know, we, we get the phone call with Vince and she's like, hey, you know, King Kong Bundy left me. And Vince is like, well, that happens sometimes, but also – all these other guys need to leave you because I need them for Madison Square Garden that day and there's nothing we can do about it because we can't move that date. So, you know, it's... That has been Robert O'Neill's Corner Two and a Half. History Final What did he do that, like, he, like, broke away and started talking to The Rock because I had no content <laughs> and then fell short of finishing his content? Why did he do that? He had a very important question for The Rock. I mean, I don't blame him. I don't know, man. That was forty tactics, if you ask me. He can finish it on the post show again, right? We could do that. Bob yeah, O'Neill, if you want to see the end, you can see it there. Why? Why do we have to have him on the post show? He's fine, Joseph. Because he was thirty he, seconds late. He showed up late. Look, here's my belief. Okay, when a man does nine hundred words of notes, <laughs> whether he's late or not, he should have completion of said notes. Okay, we, we will do, guys. I know you've all tuned in for that. We will give you the complete Bob O'Neill experience. Uh, on Twitch. I promise. Joseph. Yes. Final segment of the show. AEW did 934,000. NXT did 692,000. The marathon's over. It's over, Joseph. What's your favorite memory? 
favorite memory of the, the whole 20 years time okay we're still doing the distraction rob comes on to do to do an iso like 15 seconds gives a full shot clock actually and, I, and i'm like hey jeremy do you remember when when wwe was alive and there was that wednesday night war when they tried to stop tony's revolution you're gonna go yeah i remember and I go, jeremy what was your favorite memory of the, of the wednesday night wars what are you gonna say wwe statement <laughs> Really? I don't. What has there been? Like, I legitimately can't think of anything that's like, oh, yeah, this is a really cool moment. Like, all right, AEW took some shots. I guess the guy's jumping ship. Like, what has it been? It was more more than a war. It was like an early success for AEW, right? Yeah. It was so hard to gauge how popular that company would actually be. Like, you know, 100,000 people, you know, that's a good pay-per-view number, but you know that 100,000 people care about these people. So that's one thing, right? There being the elite stuff was not doing, like, crazy views. It was doing good, you know, a couple hundred thousand. That's cool. I had no clue what they were going to do number-wise. And again, it may seem lost now. When that first number came in, it shocked me, man. That was insane, you know? I think that's the memory. It was an L. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It was an L for, for New York. It was. It was a, you know, a little bit of a bummer, I think. Eventually, they adjusted and they were happy just kind of bleeding them a little bit. But I think it's more relevant within AEW's first 18 months of existence than it is, like, actual wrestling history. Because if we're being honest, as you just said, there weren't a whole lot of meat on the bone as far as, like, war stuff, was there really? You know? I mean, they, you know, certain people took shots at each other on Twitter and media (laughs) calls and whatnot. But, like, was there a big jumping ship moment? Not between the Wednesday shows. Yeah, that's what I mean. The Wednesday shows. Obviously, you know, big show, Sting, like, this stuff happened. But, like, that's going to – look, if NXT didn't move to Wednesdays, that stuff was happening. There was one. What's that? Tay Conti. Wasn't really a jump ship, lost her job. But still, yeah. she was on both shows in that era. So there you yeah. Go. That's literally the only one, I think, right? I think so, too. Uh, who who was it? Tino Sabatelli. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, is what's interesting is I will always remember, and this, I don't care what side you're on, this was an L. When they did the marathon thing and then they decided that they were going to have them smash over at NXT and they won like 12-0 at Survivor Series, the fact that they got like three weeks of wins out of that and then were just back was very sad. I refuse any debate on this. That was very, very sad. So I remember it being a complete and utter embarrassment and failure for that complete and utter in NXT. You know? The t- you know what? Actually, forget this. I will remember this. There's an absolute massive victory for every person that ever hated the Generation X. They're a bunch of absolute irritant jack-offs. That's what I remember it as to most of I will cherish it for the rest. I don't know why I'm even pretending to be like objective. Well, good for both shows. I don't care about both shows, okay? We don't talk about it. I could honestly give a shit. I will remember it as a guy having a developmental territory and turning it into an indie super fed for the sake of grins online and thumbs up and then getting outdone by a new indie super fed within like three, four years, making a fool of himself. That's what I remember it as. That's what I'll do. Yes. Sorry. Sorry, Drew. 
Don't apologise. It's true, man. It's true. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at people on AEW Dynamite, and I'm like, oh, they could have just signed them rather than the latest Kong match guy that's going to have no relevance to their industry whatsoever. You know, guys that can cut promos are on Dynamite that could have just been there, but no, no, no. Oh, hang on a second. Is a new guy and do a 450. Shit, hold up. They made a mess. They made fools of themselves. Let's be honest, mate. Let's be real about it. They made fools of themselves. And you can pretend not. I'm telling you. It's the truth. And when Shane O'Mac's running the company, you'll know I'm right. Eddie Kingston couldn't do a forward roll, Joseph. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Ed. Hey, Ed. For 18 years, you've been cutting promos, so we could just YouTube it. But do you fancy doing us a promo here in front of all these dogs? Would you like to do that? Because, by the way, if, if we do sign you, we're going to give you a script in which we make you street. So, you know. Just show us you can cut your own promos. We can then write for you, yeah? How's your cardio, Ed? I mean, you wrestle every weekend in 20-minute matches, but can you prove to us that you could do forward rolls? Can you lift some weights for us, Eddie? How's that? Hey, Ricky Starks, man, great look, great promo. But have you had a great bowler match? Because, like, I, I haven't seen you have one of those, you know? Powerhouse Hobbs, my God, you're a monster, man. You're an impact player. You're a big guy. You've got power offense. You can work. You got this awesome physical charisma. However, have you worked the European Indies yet? Say I'm wrong. Evan Wright says, I'll never forget that Reddit page sending Triple H a fruit basket for winning promotion of the year. Those were great times, Hunter in the Mud. I mean, AEW is hanging a literal banner for winning promotion. So good. It's so good. It's the best. Why, we, why do I actually pretend not, not, I don't like this? I love this. I love this game, Jeremy. I love it. The Wednesday Night Wars ruled because they weren't a war at all. They actually did. They did Survivor Series with the sole intention of making NXT more popular, and it lasted a month. A month. They sent the Queen Charlotte Flair. They literally resurrected WCW pay-per-views out of thin air. Grandma Gabesh! New Year's Eve! New Year's Evil! <laughs> I didn't even make it to pay-per-view. Fuck, it's just incredible, man. I loved it. I mean, but I loved it. I'll miss it. Joseph, I, should should this be a victory next week? Finn Balor, Adam Cole, Io Shirai, Tony Storm? William Regal making a landscape shifting announcement. Great news, guys. We listen to the audience. You don't want to watch our show, and there's another show on Wednesday nights. We're going to go to a night where Impact's on. Great news, guys. We only prepared for this for five years and built a whole infrastructure and fan base for this thing, but you know, you enjoy yourselves. Dogs, man. Dogs. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. Joseph, where can I people find you at? I think you do have stuff to add. I think you do have stuff to add, Jeremy. You agree. You, I'm right, Honor. I'm right. I'm right, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. I'm right. Just Jeremy. They brought back Halloween Havoc for people like us. Halloween Havoc. They said, they said, well, we need to get Halloween Havoc back because Eric Bischoff is on TNT. They lost. You lose. That's what I say. I don't have anything to add. You find me on Twitter, <laughs> at Joe Holbert. You find my critically acclaimed feature about Taz. 
on Fightful, and no one was upset about it. not one person. Team Taz, not just Taz. Team no, it was Taz. just about Taz. I made it. In. <laughs> no one was upset. Everyone loved it. And I just want to say that I'm really happy the war is over and both shows can prosper because the one thing I want more than anything in the world is the Nonce Protection Agency to do a better number on Wednesdays. So I'm just really happy and wrestling is for everyone. Even nonces. We'll be on Twitch in about 15 minutes. I might play some Retromania. Bob O'Neill is going to be there to finish uh, his Young Rock review. I don't know what Joseph's going to say on the Twitch if he's saying this on, on this show. I, I might say something on the Twitch. Go over there. Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We'll talk to you all on Twitch.